In these verses, Allah Almighty says, Observe prayer at the declining and paling of the sun onto the darkness of the night and the recitation of the Qur'an in prayer at dawn. Verily, the recitation of the Qur'an at dawn is specially acceptable to God. And wake up for it, meaning the Qur'an, in the latter part of the night as a superior auditory service for thee. It may be that thy Lord will raise thee to an exalted station. And say, O my Lord, make my entry a good entry, and then make me come forth with a good forthcoming. There's a book called The Guiding Light. It is a very interesting book in, in the sense that our Khulafa, the fourth Khalifa, the third Khalifa, and our present Khalifatul Masih al-Khamis, Ayyidatullah bin Asilaziz, they have a routine in their recitation of the Qur'an during prayers. And the routine is so precise that Fajr prayer on a Friday morning has a specific verses that are recited. And then Zohar prayer on a Wednesday is, has different verses and so on and so forth. And so this entire list was actually published in Al-Fazl. Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even Jummah prayers. And there's a great level of detail here. In this particular book, what it has done is, because our Khulafa recite verses that are relevant to our time, relevant to us, our moral and spiritual training, there's a reason why they select these verses. And so since beloved Hazur has selected these verses and it reflects on our time, therefore this particular book was compiled in order to not only give us those verses, but also give us the commentary of these verses. So these are verses you hear often in the recitation of our Salat. Uh, so often that uh, you may or may not even have forgotten what the meanings are or what the deeper meanings are. So I felt that the next series of Durus, maybe it's very, very powerful if we talk about the commentary of those verses that we hear often in our Salat. So that when we are praying next time and we hear those verses, we can also dig deeper in the meanings of those verses and connect closer to the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and inevitably get closer to Allah Almighty. Now the verses I recited before you, the first verse is Aqimis Salata Lidluk Shamse ila Ghasak Layli wa Quran al Fajr. Inna Quran al Fajr kana mashhuda. Observe prayer at the declining and paling of the sun onto the darkness of the night. Ila Ghasak al Wa Quran al Fajr. And the recitation of the Qur'an at dawn, meaning at Fajr. Inna Qur'an al-Fajri kana mashhuda. In fact, recitation of the Qur'an at dawn is especially acceptable to God Almighty. What is beautiful in this one single verse, all five prayers have been defined. You see, we always talk about how there is a we are blessed that the Holy Qur'an in fact outlines every aspect of our lives. The blueprint is found right therein. And so although of course we look towards ahadith for the details of how to apply the teachings of the Holy Qur'an, but everything can be found in the Holy Qur'an. In fact, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih said, he said, nothing is outside of the Holy Qur'an, even the details. He said, even without hadith, you should be able to find the truth from within the Holy Qur'an. But of course the Hadith 
how to guide us, how to direct us, make it far easier to understand the depths of the Holy Quran. So here, there are three words that are used to define all prayers. The first is duluk. Duluk means the sun decline from the meridian, meaning right after the zenith, it's when the sun is at the highest point, it begins to decline. And that of course is a Zohar prayer. Then it also means when it becomes yellow or it even becomes, begins to set. So it's later in the day. Again, that implies Asr prayer. And then the words of Asak al-Layl, which mean of course the paling of the sun, or basically the sun going into the darkness of the night. Here of course it implies both Maghrib prayer and more importantly, Isha prayer. And then lastly of course, Allah Almighty says, Quran al-Fajr. He uses the actual word Fajr to imply dawn, to indicate the morning prayer. Now why is any of this important? Well first and foremost, it's important to all of us because here Allah Almighty is talking to the Muslims who are living in Medina and reminding them that the Jews who live among you, they also are looking towards you to see what this faith is that you are presenting, that you are, that you are sharing. And most importantly, that the Jews always look towards the outward act of worship. What that means is that they are very stringent about the form of prayer, even if it has no spirit inside. If they have to stand straight, they will stand straight. If they have to prostrate, they will prostrate. Even if they don't even know why they're doing any of those things. And so, the Muslims are reminded that remember, make sure you do your prayer properly. It should not be that the Jews can criticize the way you pray. They will lose their faith because you are not praying correctly. So the first element of this is to remember is that there is an element of parda, sorry not parda, of tabligh here. The second of course is even more important to us, to all of us of course. By the way, in the terms of tabligh, we should remember that as well. When you are here and there's a guest here, especially if there's another Muslim here, you should not be very select in your prayer. You should remember what those tenets that were taught to us by the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, are there, and we should also exhibit them. Now don't be extreme. I remember I went to Medina in 1997. I was only 10 years old. And even during the sunnah prayers, the people would go and they would put their foot on your foot to be as close to you. And we were a bit surprised. So we would, my father mentioned, he said, I would move away from them, and they would move closer. He said, I was confused because it's sunnah prayers, it's not even farz. We don't have to stand shoulder to shoulder. But they have become again, as the Jews have become so stringent on the form, they have forgotten why they're doing what they're doing. Now with that said, the second element which is very important in this verse, what Allah is reminding us. He is saying that look, in the near future, you may be in Medina, you may have just entered Medina, you may have been dealing with 13 years of persecution, but remember this, success will come. And when it comes, what will you do? You will become indifferent towards prayers. You'll forget about your prayers. You'll start to slacken on your prayers. So here Allah is reminding you that these are the five daily prayers. These are the reasons why you pray. And remember not to slack when the success comes. Guard against any slackness in your prayers. To give you an example, there was a Sahabi of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
He was on his last few breaths. On his bedside were his sons and they looked at their father, a sahabi, a great companion of the Holy Prophet Muhammad participated in many battles and many triumphs, so much so that he had seen the glory days, the days where gold and silver and all these treasures and land were given to the Muslims. So he was laying there and they all looked towards him that this is, he's going to die a very successful death, meaning he's lived a successful life. But he began weeping and crying profusely. So much so that the family asked him, why are you crying, why are you weeping so much? And his response was, he says, when in the early days, when we had nothing, we were poor, we had nothing but sticks and stones, then our prayers were powerful. We used to have a connection to Allah Almighty. We were standing shoulder to shoulder to the Holy Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. But then, of course, he passed away. And then Allah Almighty fulfilled His promise to us and gave us riches and wealth. So much so, he said, I wish I had passed away in those early days. Because now I don't know if I will be able to enter heaven or not. With all of these riches and wealth and land that Allah has given us, I don't know if my prayers are at the same level anymore. This is a sahabi at his own deathbed, weeping before his family. Wishing that he was there during those difficult times and had not seen the times of triumph and success. It shows us how much we should also reflect on our own lives and make sure that we do not forget that moment. Again, many of you can recall, you've been here for 20-30 years now. In the early days, how was it when you first arrived in this country? Many of you may have joined Islam Ahmadiyyat. How was it the first day you became an Ahmadi Muslim? What was it? Financially, how were you doing? Emotionally, physically, all the, all the challenges that you had, put them before your eyes. Think about them. And then think about how were your prayers then? Were they not more powerful? Did not the ground shake when you prostrated? And what has happened since then? Have we not slacked? This is why it's very critical and important to remember. This is why this verse says this. In the next verse, وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَحَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةً لَكَ يَبَثَكَ رَبُّكَ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا and wake up in the later part of the night as your tahajjud prayer, right? As your nafilatalak, as your superiorgatory service towards God. It may be that thy Lord will raise thee to an exalted station. Tahajjud prayer is mentioned here now. And the beautiful thing about nafilatalak, it means, number one, tahajjud prayer is not obligatory. You are not required to do it. But it is a way for you to excel spiritually. Just like you are not required to be a Musi, it is a way for you to spiritually excel. There are many things that we have that are ways for us to excel. We can stay bare minimum, we can stand at the threshold of the door of Islam and simply stay there. There's enough space. But if you enter it, you enter the room, the different rooms of this beautiful religion of Islam, you will see so many ways of excelling spiritually. The second thing that this, this same verse means is that maybe it was an obligatory prayer for the Holy Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, but not for any other Prophet. He was unique that he did this prayer. Even in the example of the Promised Messiah ﷺ, we find every 2 a.m. he was up and he was praying. Similarly, it also implies 
that nafila also means that this is a special favor. Meaning prayer should not be a burden. It is not a tax. It has nothing to do with requiring you to do it. You don't want to do it, don't do it. But know this, if you do it, you get blessings. If you do it, it signifies a favor of God upon you. So do it with that joy. The Promised Messiah for example, spoke about the idea that everything you do in life has an innate nature of pleasure. If you do something in the right way, you will enjoy it, whatever it is. He says, so how is it that when you pray, you don't find enjoyment? It's because you're not doing it right. It's because you're not doing it with the right intention. You're not doing it with the right purpose in mind, without the right goal in mind. And so he gave the example, he said, look, when you pray, if you don't feel the pleasure of a prayer, it is like intoxication. And again, none of us should know what this is, but anybody who is familiar with drinking would know that if you drink the first wine or the first beer, you don't feel the buzz. What does a person do next? They will drink another bottle. And they don't feel it again, they will drink another. Until finally they get that buzz of that intoxication. The Promised Messiah linked prayer to that. Saying that it is like an intoxication. You go into another world, but a spiritual world. He said the only way you can do that is similar to the way drinking is. You have to do it again and again and again. If you don't find the pleasure in the five daily prayers, maybe you're not doing all five. Maybe you're not doing nafil prayers, the hajjud prayers. Maybe you're not utilizing all of these different ways, the sunnah prayers properly. So try your best to improve those, increase them, and you will start to enjoy the prayer even more. Then of course, the words maqam mahmud is mentioned. That maybe that your Lord will raise you to an exalted station, a maqam mahmud Here, we should remember there are many meanings here. But the first and foremost is, this is a promise to the Holy Prophet Muhammad That I will raise you to different exalted stations. You will see success after success after success. This is a great prophecy. And we see this throughout the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad especially as he migrates from Mecca to Medina. In Mecca it was persecution and trials and tribulations for 13 years. The moment he entered Medina, it was one maqam Mahmud after another, after another, after another. For example, the first is that the world spews filth and vile towards you. O Muhammad wasallam, Allah will bless you. That is your first maqam Mahmud. That first exalted station is that Allah will take your name to the corners of the earth. You will be remembered and known. And guess what? In this day and age, today, right now, the most common name in the entire world is Muhammad. That name is used more than any other name of anybody else. That is exactly one way in which the Maqam Mahmud is established in many ways, of course. Another one is, of course, is intercession. It is only the Holy Prophet Muhammad who on the Day of Judgment can say, these are my followers, oh Allah, they are, they are so close to me, that I would like to intercede on their behalf. They have shortcomings, they are weak. But because they have tried to follow me the best that they possibly could, and they have a genuineness in their heart, Allah, I stand before you asking for their forgiveness. No other Prophet can do that. 
except our master, Prophet Muhammad Another exalted station, of course, is the advent of the promised Messiah himself. Him coming is establishing the truth of the Holy Prophet Muhammad and finishing his mission. What was his mission? This is part of his own mission, to spread the message of Islam to the corners of the earth. And the promised Messiah was like a moon. Remember this, he was the moon. While the Holy Prophet Muhammad was the sun, the promised Messiah was the moon. In the thick of darkness, if I want to see the sun, I cannot. But if I look towards the moon, that's the same light reflecting off of the sun. That is how powerful the mission of the promised Messiah was. In the thickness of this darkness of today, where faith no longer exists, we look towards the moon for light in this dark night. Similarly, we know that verse of the Holy Quran in which Badr is mentioned. The battle of Badr, for example, is mentioned. There again is beautiful. Because Badr is also the time when the moon is at its fullest. It is another way of indicating that this is another era of the battle of Badr, where you will be azillah, you will be weak. But Allah will support you. Just like the Sahaba were weak then. 300 against 1,000. But Allah helped them. And the things they did then, that sacrifices they made then, transformed thousands of years to come. Today will be the same case if we continue to be with the Badr of the age, which is the promised Messiah we too will be able to see, again, many of the maqam Mahmud of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Of course, the last part of maqam Mahmud was that you will enter Medina. You will go to a place where people were enemies. They used to kill each other. For 40 years, they had a battle against one another. And then finally, when the Prophet came, he transformed their hatred into love. And then that is exactly where the next verse comes. وَقُرَّبِيَ أَدْخِلْنِي مُدْخَلَ سِدْكِمْ وَأَخْرِجْنِي مُخْرَجَ سِدْكِمْ وَجَعَلْنِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ سُلْطَانًا نَسِيرًا Ameen O my Lord, make my entry a good entry and then make me come forth with a good forthcoming and grant me from Thyself a helping power It is talking about the migration from Mecca to Medina And somebody might ask, why does it say a good entry before a good exit? That's what the verse says Make my entry good and make my exit good. But you have to exit before you enter. Here Hazrat Muslim Allah done in a beautiful way says that the reason why this order is switched or flipped it was in order to console the Holy Prophet Muhammad Telling him you have to leave Mecca would bring about great emotions maybe even tearful emotions to the Holy Prophet Muhammad So Allah Almighty first said, don't worry, your entry will be good. You will enter a new place which will be full of goodness. And don't worry, your exit will be good too. And the other reason it is mentioned in this way is, it implies an entry and exit of Mecca. You will exit Mecca, but you will re-enter Mecca as well. But when you re-enter Mecca, you will be victorious. These are all different ways in which the maqam Mahmud, the exalted station of the Holy Prophet Muhammad was seen in many, many ways. 
May Allah help us to understand these beautiful verses. And now when we recite them in the, in the prayer, I hope they will bring about a different kind of feeling when you are listening to it.